Kevin Bowen here. Don't forget to listen to The Fan now on 93.5 or 107.5 FM. And check out our latest coverage online at 1075thefan.com. right there Joey Molinaro I'm Kevin Bowen back another edition of Kevin's Corner back to back days something we definitely don't do a whole lot around here but it is the midway point of the NBA season for the 2019-20 Pacers so it's time to get back into things with Victor Oladipo's return less than two weeks away uh, Joey I figured it was time to hop back in surprising start to say the least and I feel like fans are, uh, I don't know, maybe the way the cold season ended. I think fans are a bit energized to see what happens to close out the year and obviously what happens when your star player comes back. Yeah, they definitely got, I'd say, a lot of Central Indiana through late November, throughout yeah. December mm-hmm. because of, like you said, the Colts. So, yeah, people are people are back on the Pacers, and I think that's uh, exciting. And now, full transparency, full transparency, I don't really know if I've – said this in the podcast before, but I'm probably a bigger basketball fan than I am a football fan. Is it just because you have to cover football so much that that's kind of your release? Because I feel like a lot of football writers are really big baseball fans. Baseball? Yeah. Oh. Uh, maybe just because, like, Peter King. Yeah, and, like, some... I'm not a huge – I mean, I'll cheer for the Reds. I couldn't tell you last time I've sat down and watched a three-hour MLB game, like, on my couch, yeah. uh, non-playoff-wise. So I would say, I don't know, basketball to me, maybe growing up in the state has something to do with it. Yeah. I mean, I love football, obviously. I, I, I mean, when we're talking love, it means like, you know, whatever. Do I love a hamburger or a steak? I mean, I love both pretty much equally. I guess steak maybe a little bit more than that. But, um, yeah, I, I'm a big, big basketball fan, and it has been fun, you know, watching this Pacers team. You know, it's a team that – um, some major credit deserves to go to Kevin Pritchard and Nate McMillan because there are a lot of new faces. Uh, they've dealt with a lot of injuries early in the season. And, you know, outside of Mrs. McMillan, I expected a 26-win team considering all the injuries here at the midway point of the season. You're on pace for 52 wins. Right? That's a number that I don't think anybody thought was possible. And, again, we have to factor in – you know, Brogdon's missed, what, 10 or 11 games. You know, Miles Turner's missed some time. DeMontis Sabonis has missed yeah. some time. You know, Lamb uh, missed about a week as well. And obviously, Victor missing half the year. So, um, when you look at the Eastern Conference, it, it's really opened up in that, you know, you have these, you have Milwaukee that's emerged. And then you have two through six in Miami and Boston and Toronto and Indiana and Philly. They're really, really jumbled together. And I guess I haven't done my research, so I might be just kind of speaking out of my ass on this, but I I actually think it's true. I feel like home court means more than maybe ever in the Eastern Conference. You look at the home records of the teams in the East that are these top five or six teams, Uh it is astronomical how much better they play at home than on the road. Yeah, I mean, this is not the Big Ten. This is not college basketball where these are rowdy road environments. Um, it, it's pretty crazy to me just how stark of a difference there has been home and away. And we know the Pacers, you know, haven't won a home court or haven't won a series in, I 
think it's five years. I've won a playoff series in five years. And the last time they won a playoff series, it was at home. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that's just what adds the importance of. And throughout this podcast, I'm sure I will, I will get into it, Joey, but I find myself really hard to kind of give a big picture evaluation on the Pacers right now because there is so much unknown with Oladipo and the ramifications of his return, positively and negatively, yep. over the final you know 40 so 40 games or so. But also because like I feel like when the Pacers play some of these elite teams, they don't have some of their best players either. So it, I, I find it difficult just to sit here right now and be like, hey, the Pacers won 26 games. They are a lock to do this in the postseason, one way or the other. I just can't get myself to go there just yet. Well, you mentioned Victor, KB, and that's uh, what we're all looking forward to here as we're counting down the days to that January 29th date that yes. he released last yep, week. Yep, yep. Um, what's the the latest on that? Do we think it's going to be that day? What do you expect? Sounds like it. Sounds like it's going to be that day. He will not go on the Western Road Trip that's coming up here starting Sunday. Um, the Pacers will play five games in eight days out west. Victor will stay back. I assume that means heavy Fort Wayne Mad Ants time for Victor Oladipo. Nice. You know, I've said on this podcast, and I think some people might, or I don't know if I said on this podcast, I've certainly said it on air. I wouldn't mind Victor getting a little Mad Ants run before coming back to the NBA team. Yeah, get his, get his, you know, game action. You know, I knock off some of that rust, ramp up some of the stamina, physical activity. I mean, you can't replicate um, game reps. And I know it's G League versus NBA, but still. Now... I think I said that last week, maybe on the Fan Morning Show, and Big Joe was like, no, I wouldn't want to risk that. Some G League player would, you know, try to go all out to make a big impression against a star NBA player. I'm like, "Ah, I don't know about that. I mean, is there, like, more of a risk of injury for I was going to say, but so you don't think that in an actual NBA game, your first time back in a real NBA game against the best of the best, that that's not cause for concern either? You know, like Right. You know, I I think that's a good point. You can can look at it from multiple ways. So it doesn't sound like the Pacers have said he will play for the Mad Ants or anything like that. But I think we have to realize this. When Victor comes back on the 29th, Joey, that will be one year removed, one year and six days removed from, you know, the ruptured quad tendon against the Raptors. He will not have had a a serious five-on-five session against main line, front line NBA players, whatever you want to call them, starters, high-level bench players. He will not have had that in, in this year. NBA teams do not practice much at all, if at all, during the season. Yeah. Like, it just, there's just not enough time to do that. Actually, one of the few practice days that they probably will have is when they do come back from that Western road trip. They play, I think, their final games on a Sunday. You get back late Sunday night. You have Monday off. I would assume you'd go at it um, Tuesday in some capacity right before the Bulls game. And then you've got two days off right after that Bulls game before you play again on um, on Saturday. So I think that is where you might be afforded an opportunity to get Victor into some practice time. So I'm just really curious to see what he looks like from a stamina standpoint. Obviously, how explosive of an athlete is he? Mm-hmm. Uh, that is the biggest question that I have with this injury and the rehab and how Victor plays his game. Victor is a high-level, explosive athlete. That is his biggest strength as a basketball player. He is a 6'4 shooting guard on a good day. He is not a consistent perimeter shooter. 
to the level of you know Bradley Beal or yeah, I don't know some other right uh, Clay in, Thompson yeah yeah, yeah. insert exactly insert uh, an All Star caliber two guard that's Victor's game is attacking the rim having no regard for his body and finishing through contact um, against bigger players longer players whatever and for him to be at an All NBA level he's got to be the same athlete he was two years ago yeah um, so that's my biggest question now having said that. Victor is not, he certainly has not let us in very often on his rehab and everything throughout this process. But there's one thing that he has kept on saying, and it makes sense. He feels like he spent maybe the most time on his jump shot and just fine tuning the mechanics of that jump shot. And I don't think anybody looks at his jumper and says, like, that's a textbook way to shoot the basketball or anything like that. Um, it's always been kind of a unique way to to shoot it. And so does improved mechanics, more time doing stationary shooting early in this rehab, does uh, does that lead to a more consistent shooter from the perimeter? Um, does more kind of stationary stuff fine-tune and maybe tighten some of his ball handling as well? Because if he can take strides in those areas and maybe not be as explosive as an athlete that he used to be, then I think he can still become it, – it, it's a new victor and, and it's a different-looking package in his game – but let's say his athleticism goes from a a 10 to an 8.5, but his shooting goes from a 6 to a 7.5. Bounces out a little yeah, bit. Yeah, it kind of bounces out. Now, um, those are all big questions, but those are kind of some of the curiosities I have with Victor. Uh, if he indeed comes back for that Bulls game, 35 games to go in the season, 10 of them against the top six teams in the East. So a nice sample size there. You still go to L.A., both L.A. teams. You have one more trip out west that you'll take. So you'll see LeBron, you'll see Paul George and them. Um, I think only four back-to-backs, I want to say, Joey, the rest of the year. I don't assume he'll play in the back-to-backs. It's not the early ones. Um, So it allows you time to kind of ramp up his minutes. And I I think it's important, too, when he comes back, eight games from the day he comes back until the All-Star break, seven at home. So a lot of treatment here locally. A lot you aren't getting on planes and off planes and 2 a.m. nights and mm-hmm. things like that. Um, that should be very a- advantageous to um, to Victor Oladipo. So um, yeah, I am. Uh, how do we? I'm, how, I'm how do we? Excited. Yeah, same. Obviously, how how do we feel though that him coming back is going to go in terms of what they've already established on the floor, right? You know I mean, because right. you know you do have the new newness with Malcolm Brogdon still. You know, guys like Jeremy Lamb. What's that going to be like for this nucleus that's been playing this first half of the season once he comes back? Yeah, I think it's a great question, and obviously um, it's something where before the start of the season, Chad Buchanan, their general manager, talked about break up the season into threes or into three different sections. Yeah. No victor, kind of victor, full throttle victor. Well, no victor, you've you've been damn good. I mean, it's a good good basketball team without Victor Oladipo. So – and we'll get into this a little bit more, I think, in Twitter questions, but how Nate McMillan balances out that rotation, how guys play in different roles than they have been for the first um, 41 games, and, and what happens when Victor does have that rust, and do guys feel a need to you know, get Victor more touches or try to involve him a little bit more? Um, you know, I, that is such an unknown. 
And I'm really, really interested to see how all of that plays out because right now, I mean, outside of about maybe two or three guys, you talk about the top nine guys in this team, Joey, they all have played at a very high level for their for their ceiling. I mean, all I mean, again, a little inconsistency from miles early in the season. Holiday's been a little bit up and down, some definite flashes, but then a little bit of, oh, yeah, he is probably the wildest holiday of the three. Uh, Jeremy Lamb, maybe a little bit inconsistent, but still, you've had stretches from all three of those guys that have been at a very good level. And then you start talking about it. Sabonis, Brogdon, McConnell, Justin Holiday, McDermott, um, Warren. I mean, they all have been, I think, about as high of a level as you could have expected. Yeah, definitely. TJ Warren just knows how to fill it up. I mean, we talked about it when he... When he came over, I remember, and it was like he YMCA knew, game. He knew how to score. He and, is a professional scorer. And he does know how to score, which has been awesome to see. All right, let's get into what you've liked so far for the 2019-2020 Pacers, and let's start with the dude who just a handful of days before the season started got that big extension, Domas Sabonis. Boy, and he has certainly played like a guy that is still trying to make more money. I mean, what a year he has had so far. Um, we're taping this on Thursday afternoon. He had 29 last night against the Timberwolves, 25 in the first half, I want to say it was. I remember on the podcast, this was probably after Domas's first year with Indiana, Joey. I said that I felt like Domas had a better chance of being an all-star than Miles Turner. And I, I definitely got a little bit of pushback. I'm, I'm thinking of one of my very good friends. I won't reveal his name on this podcast, but I definitely got a lot of pushback from him on that. And I just i have always felt like from those early days with the Pacers, this is one of the more skilled big guys I've seen in quite some time. And let me throw in the caveat of he's a skilled big guy that doesn't live above the rim and is not hitting – 1.8 three-pointers per game. Like, there's no way Domas is in more than 10 threes all year. So, you talk about inside the paint, half-court offense, DeMontis Sabonis facilitating, scoring, developing more of a right hand, rebounding the basketball, uh, just involving others, knowing where to go with the basketball. Yeah, I mean, he's not Jokic. He's not Carl Anthony Towns. But, again, those guys can – can stretch the floor and beat a little bit. He is an incredibly, incredibly gifted player on the offensive end of the floor. He deserves to be an all-star. He should be an all-star. Um, man, he just he falls out of bed and he's a double-double. Yeah. Just a pure Indiana guy. Yeah, and like you think Indiana basketball, you probably think a little bit of like a European style in a way of like very fundamentally sound, um, get others involved, the – that's Domas. Yep. I mean, you put you put him in that second unit, and that's a that's again that's something to watch here when Victor comes back. Domas has got to be at that second unit because he makes all of them better, mm-hmm. and he's also can be a dominant scorer for you when need be, with McConnell and Justin Holiday and McDermott and you know whoever else you want to put into that second unit. So, um, he's been a stud, man. Uh, again, he better be an All Star. I'm pretty sure coaches vote at some point, maybe for reserves or something like that for the All-Star game. They better not F this up. DeMontis Sabonis, All-Star. 
wouldn't be the first time we've seen all-star voting get messed up for an Indiana <laughs> right? player, you know, yeah. in Indianapolis. You know, Leonard cold... says, hold, hold my beer. Exactly, right. Uh, another thing that you like is the coming over of Malcolm Brogdon. You know, it was really big on the first day of free agency, right, when it, the clock struck. Exactly. All of a sudden, they traded for Malcolm Brogdon, and it was like, okay, we're doing this. Yeah, and again, Pacers have been out of their comfort zone. Uh, you know, making a trade, going in the restricted free agent sort of market, um, you know, Brogdon Joey, I felt like a lot was going to be on his plate when he came here when Victor was was out for the first, you know, it'll be 47 games I think Victor will end up missing. Brogdon was about third fiddle in Milwaukee. Obviously, Giannis and then Chris Middleton. I mean, hell, some might argue Eric Bledsoe over him at times, which, again, some might argue if that was the smartest move in the world. But Brogdon comes here and so much is on his plate from a scoring facilitating, defending standpoint. Yep. And he's really checked every box. You know, he plays at such a great pace. He's a calming influence. Um, the two-game, the two-man game between him and Sabonis is like, <laughs> I mean, it's it's Manning and Harrison. It's, you know, you and impressions. It's, <laughs> you know, me with my obsession of Tiger Woods. I mean, it is it, – it is just made to be, man. For sure. It is just like, it's a thing of beauty. And we, I think we've seen it, especially the last two games that him and uh, Sabonis have been back in the lineup. Just late game situations, it's kind of like, all right, <laughs> Brogdon, Sabonis. <laughs> yep. Put him in the pick and roll and let him go to work. And Brogdon, beauty. you know, he, Joey, he's not this elite athlete, but he knows his body. He changes pace really well. And his anticipation makes up for a little bit of, not having the elite elite athleticism that, you know, we feel like is such a prerequisite to be an all-star player in the NBA. And so I guess that's kind of like Victor. When I talk about Victor, maybe, okay, can you do some of the some of the more fundamentally sound aspects of basketball better? Brogdon, and I don't know if anticipation is a fundamentally sound thing. I guess it's basketball IQ, but he reads pick and roll so well, knows how to maneuver around him, finishes with both hands at the rim, and... You know, I'm not too worried about him when Victor comes back because he's used to playing off the ball in Milwaukee. You know, he did that so much. Yeah. So I think he can translate to that. I still think in the game situations, I, I I want the ball in Brogdon's hands, man. I just trust him. I just trust him. And Nate McMillan, I think, trusts him big time. I think Nate's made the reference before of, like, he is our quarterback. And, you know, you, you kind of hear it in the NFL how teams script the first, whatever, 15 or 20 plays – Nate McMillan, you watch him during the first quarter, the guy barely says a word. Now, maybe he barely says a word all game, but, like, he just kind of lets Brogdon do his thing. Um, I don't know if he'll be an all-star. You know, missing 10 or 11 games probably hurts him a little bit, and, you know, I I think he's deserving of it to a degree. As long as he stays healthy, which has always been the biggest issue in his career, um, what what a great job by the Pacers in acquiring him. Yeah, got to love seeing him going out and getting a move for the president, as they call him, uh, yeah. around here. And you mentioned T.J. Warren. We were just talking about him, but you got a guy like Jeremy Lamb, T.J. Warren, uh, even a, a Justin Holiday. Yeah. The new guys that have come over this year, really been impressive. Outstanding. You know, let, let's start with Warren, Joey. He's been healthy. That's something he hasn't been in his career. I think he's missed at least 15 games every season he's played in the NBA. So, you know, knock on a little wood, but yeah. he's been healthy there. He's giving you a little bit on the defensive end, which is nice. And he's still scoring 
at a really high level for a basketball team that's not as dysfunctional as the Phoenix Suns, which, again, that has been a bit surprising to me and and has been a thing that you were curious when you got him, okay, is he going to be your three, like – are you ready to play Domas and Miles together? Could P.J. Warren be your four? Um, there's been some games where he's just flat out taking this team on his back and, and has led them to victory, especially when Brogdon and Domas have missed time. So you got to love Warren. Um, Joey, T.J. McConnell. <laughs> oh, McConnell, yeah. Dude. The mic'd up clip was great. Oh, awesome. I love that. Like, sports are supposed to be entertaining. Yep. I know, like... Coaches, GMs, don't treat this like it's the FBI. Like, a guy can be mic'd up, you know? Yeah. and I'm sorry. Sam Darnold seeing Ghost, don't let ESPN mic you up, I guess, maybe, or have have some restrictions on that. But, you know, in the NBA, when it's your local broadcast, give us some entertainment value. Yeah, and the best part was that he's obviously the smallest guy on the floor. And yeah, oh yeah. Yeah, he just, it was, it's like playing with your little brother out in the backyard. 100%. That's exactly 100%. what it was. Getting in your face, yep. you know, telling Brett Brown when he gets a technical, oh, man, your your daughter's not going to get that couch that she wanted. And going up to Ben Simmons saying he's got Clemson tonight. You know, obviously Ben Simmons going to LSU. Uh, so just some really funny moments from T.J. McConnell. And, I mean, him on the court, I swear he has eyes in the back of his head. Sees the floor unbelievably well. Knows his game extremely well. <laughs> I didn't realize – how bad or reluctant of a three-point shooter he is. I mean, he, teams don't guard him at all out there, and yet he's still so darn effective. Able right. to get in the lane. Guys have been cutting great with him. I think a big reason why Doug McDermott has played so well this year, Joey, has been T.J. McConnell. And McConnell just knows how to get guys the ball. Um you know, people wrote him off after the signing, and I think our preseason podcast, you know, I was like, look, this is a guy that started in Philly for a long, long time. Yep. And was in the rotation for a long, long time because that was some stability. There was a reason that they wanted T.J. McConnell on the floor, and I didn't think it was a slam dunk. Oh, yeah, T.J. McConnell will be your third point guard, and Aaron Holiday's definitely going to be your backup. Um, no, no, no. And – you know, we're going to start getting into minutes and who should lose them in, in Twitter questions when Victor gets back. I'm not taking T.J. McConnell off the floor. I'm not. I, I You cannot take him off the floor. And another guy you can't take off the floor is Justin Holiday. I, I didn't realize how dead-eye of a shooter he is, and maybe he's just kind of turned into that. But, man, he has been huge, hitting some threes and offering you a little bit of defense as well and – you know, it's it's a great problem to have, and Nate McMillan wants to play nine or ten, and we've seen some playoff series when he's played eight, Joey. But I I, I get the impression that in past years it's been like, well, Tyreek will give us a boost tonight, or Lance will give us a boost tonight, and that's it. And then I was like, oh, T.J. Leaf was two of six. That's not bad. Yeah, he's coming around. You know, like oh, Trevor Booker had six points and four boards. Like, no, this is a legit seven, eight, nine deep. I trust any of those guys to finish out a game. Yeah. And I don't think the Pacers have had that in quite a while. Yeah. Uh, all right. So, new guys, thing you like a lot. Let's go over to things that you haven't liked so far uh, in the 2019-2020 season. you got to start with defense and rebounding. Yeah. And, and, you know, I would say when we talk about things I haven't liked, it's not like I've been just irate with them. 
Um, you know, this is not the Colts after losing to the Saints. This is just kind of some general thoughts on projecting ahead to April and how this team can play in the postseason. And defense and rebounding, I think, is 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 the biggest kind of team aspect that is a major question mark. The rebounding has not been good over the last couple of months. Um, it's always been, in the Nate McMillan era, it's always been the biggest key for him in an offseason. And I think where you lose some of the rebounding, first it comes when Domas comes off the floor. You, you, you lose it a lot. And secondly, Joey, Miles Turner has such a propensity to try and block shots off the ball that he takes himself out, out of plays. Now, a lot of times he makes that block or he alters shots so it helps you out, but when he doesn't, or even when that guy is still able to get the ball up on the rim, boom, that exposes help side, and now Miles' guy can slide in for that rebound. So... Um, I, I and and when I say defense, you know, I was a little bit, you know, wing defenders. I was kind of always on my mind of like, did they do enough with that? Like, can Lamb and Warren defend at a high level? I do think Brogdon and Victor them together is a nice duo. Now they're six five and six four, so you know, Giannis, um, you know, Simmons tore him up the other night. Um, you know, Tatum and Brown when you play Boston. I mean, even a guy like Jimmy Butler, boy, I can't wait for that rematch. Jimmy Butler, TJ Warren, round two. Um, you know, those are some of the question marks that I have. And, and defense just cannot afford to be subpar, Joey, yeah. because this team offensively, they don't shoot a lot of threes. They, they don't get to the line a whole lot. So they aren't going to be a team that just pencil men for 115 every night. That That's not the Pacers. So their defense has got to be better than subpar. And then lastly, things you didn't like, Miles Turner's consistency. Yeah, and again, Turner's been much better here over the past month, probably maybe even two months. When I say consistency, Joey, and I know I do this often, and I'll reference something I said on yesterday's podcast about the Colts. Okay, if we want to call Miles Turner an elite defender, it's like saying the Colts have an elite run game. Well, the Colts don't have an elite run game. An elite run game is the Tennessee Titans, who just faced a top 10 run defense in Baltimore and a top 10 run defense in New England, went on the road, and absolutely bulldozed them on the ground. That is elite. When you are beating another upper echelon strength of that team and you are producing like none other against that, you know, upper echelon strength. Okay. Let's look at because the Colts didn't do that. The Colts had a top ten rushing attack, but when they faced top ten rush def- defenses, they didn't perform like that. So now you look at Turner. You call him an elite defender. Okay, when you play Drummond and you play Embiid and Carl Anthony Towns and you know insert your other high level bigs, I'm not expecting Turner to hold them to twelve and eight, but I am expecting them to hold them to under twenty and ten which seems like is like the basement to what those guys get against the Pacers. So that's where I'm getting at um, him on the defensive end of the floor because I think he's given a little bit more offense as of late than I thought. His rebounding has been a little bit better as well. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you face Philly these last two times, no Embiid. You face Minnesota last night, no Carl Anthony Towns. And even when you face the Lakers, no Anthony Davis. So it's some of these sort of check boxes for Turner individually that he just hasn't checked, and you know he hasn't been able to in, in a lot of these games. Earlier in the year, we obviously saw Embiid and Drummond do their thing against him, but just 
don't get your ass kicked against the best. Yeah. You know, that's uh, that's, simple. Sure. That, that's kind of where I'm at. And, and maybe I'm thinking too much of, like, the Rudy Gobert, Team USA, France game from the quarterfinals over the summer where Turner didn't even play after about five minutes of the third quarter uh, because Gobert was owning him and he was in foul trouble and all of that. But, you know, his confidence has gotten better. He's used to playing the four offensively. He's spreading the floor really well. But he said he wants to be the best defensive player in the NBA. Okay. You're a good defensive player, but to be an elite, all-NBA caliber defensive guy, you've got to be better against the game's best. You want to do some Twitter questions? Yes. All right, cool. Let's hop into it. Let's start with Matt. He says, end-of-game situations with Oladipo back. Would you expect to see the ball more in Vic's hands or Brogdon's? Well, it's a great, great question, Matt. I would say this. Um, I want in Brogdon's hands, Joey. I, I, I'm sorry. I, maybe Brogdon's Wally Pip, the victor. But I think the two-man game of Brogdon and Sabonis. Okay, hear me out. Early clock, Brogdon Sabonis doing their thing. Let them give about 10, 15 seconds to do their thing. And then end of clock, okay, throw it to victor. Have the explosive downhill guy try to attack the rim. That That's what I like to see. Now, the great part about it is, this is a, a legit question. Like, the Pacers have multiple in-game sure, options. Yeah. It's not clear out for Paul George. It's not clear out for Victor Oladipo and put Bogey in the corner and hope Bogey can hit one. Like, no, there are multiple scenarios you can have. But, man, I don't know. Brogdon Sabonis two-man game. Whew. It's tough. I tough like to that. handle. Multiple I like options. All right, from Sam Sinclair. Looking ahead, who do you think the Pacers match up best with in the playoff series in the first round? Ooh, good, good, good question there, Sam. Sam's a loyal follower of both both um, yep. Colts and Pacers. Um, okay, let's say the Pacers obviously aren't going to get the one seed. Let's say they don't get the two because that you you play Brooklyn or Orlando. That would that would be what you would want. Give me Miami or Toronto. I think. I and I'm, I say that with a caveat. I expect Philly to make a move for a shooter here in the next three weeks. Like Philly's got to go down to the local YMCA and, and find a shooter because yeah. losing Reddick has killed them. They can't stretch the floor at all. Um, how about this stat I'm seeing from the Fieldhouse just pop up? Leaders in assists per 100 possessions in the NBA. LeBron 14.9. TJ McConnell, 13.6. Let's go. That's first and second in the league. <laughs> That's great. Um, so, yeah, I think Heat or Raptors. You know, the Heat, it's been amazing what they've done. I mean, they, they Duncan Robinson and Kendrick Nunn start for them. Two undrafted free agents, and yet here they are. Raptors, I, just, I don't know. I'm just not – they just don't have the killer. I think Philly – Philly just has a ton of talent. Horford's been there before. Boston – I don't like the Kemba mashup, and those wings scare me. Mm-hmm. So those are the two that you'd like to avoid, I think, in there. Um, so, yeah. It's from DJ Dylon, my guy. He says, uh, with Vic coming back, what's the guard rotations going to look like? A Holiday McConnell lamb. I've given all quality minutes this season. Will someone have to sacrifice their minutes? You know, I think um, it, it's a great question. I think Holiday is out. Uh, J- Aaron, excuse me. Whoa. So this is why I say that, Joey. Okay, so you got your starting five. Brogdon, Oladipo, Warren, Sabonis, Turner. Okay, there's your five. Yep. You go to your bench. Lamb becomes your sixth man. TJ McConnell should be your point guard. So there's six and seven. 
Doug McDermott is your eight. That, that guy stretches the floor. And now you think about a nine. I like the versatility of Justin Holiday guarding multiple positions a little bit more than just Aaron Holiday being kind of that smallish off-ball guard. Again, some people will probably disagree with that, and there will be times where you might need more of a microwave, and that's where Aaron Holiday will slide in there. But, you know, it's – and you know, Gogo might get a minute or two just to – you know, if one of your pigs gets gets into foul trouble. So, um, I really just think that – I think McConnell, Lamb, Justin Holiday, and McDermott have got to play. I, I just – McConnell gives you so much and is a steady point guard. You put some shooters around him. You put Sabonis in there. I think that is a pretty good reserve unit. Dylan also wanted me to relay the message that it's about time for the Pacers pod. He so. he is a diehard. Isn't yeah. he? I remember talking to him at your wedding. He wanted more Pacers coverage. Yeah, so very happy about it, it for sure. It is about time. It, it, it's been way <laughs> too long. I, I take full blame for that. Uh, midway point of the season. We know the Pacers contingent. I feel like the last podcast did great now that I think about it. Yeah. Pacers number. So I'll be curious to see what this one does. From setting the pace, they say the Pacers are deep, but are they talented enough to be an Eastern Finals contender? Boy, I, I can't go there. I mean, unless Victor looks like a top 20 player in the NBA when he comes back, I, I just I can't go quite there yet. And, and I don't sit here and act like I have a locked, set in stone Eastern Conference Finals, no duh. I think we all expect the Bucks, um, but outside of that, you know, it is pretty wide open. But I just can't go there. Um, you know, they asked when when are you going to come on our podcast? Oh yeah. yeah, shoot me a DM. I think I went on there last year. Yeah, that's with my guy Alex Golden. I like Alex a lot. I think I'm going on there next week. Are you? Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Nice. So nice. They want me to bring out some Pacers impersonations. So. Ooh, you got I've it. Gotta, well, I've got to get to work. Okay. Got to get to work on those. I, say, I don't bit, think I've heard so. any of those. Yeah. Uh, this is from Big King for Life. Whose playing time do you think will be significantly decreased when Victor returns? I mean, you're going to chop minutes from a little bit of everybody. You know, especially in the backcourt, Joey. And, and again, this will be a. Um, this will be a fluid situation. Like, Victor's not going to come back and play 32 minutes, you know, from night one. So, but I think Aaron Holiday is the one that will receive most of the cutting back of minutes. From Bill C. Probably what, a little bit of Jeremy Lamb, too. From Bill C., what do you think the best Pacers crunch time lineup is? He says, I'm assuming it does not feature Goga Batadze. Oh, no. No, it doesn't. Um <laughs> Dude, Goga's got great touch. The thing about Goga, you only need to watch the game for about two minutes, Joey, before you notice his greatest strength and his worst attribute. Mm -hmm. His strength is his shooting. Great touch. You get him the ball really at at any spot on the floor, and he shoots it, and he looks like a guy that should be shooting it, and he looks like a guy that can hit it. Like every shot he takes, I'm kind of like, oh, that might go in, which I don't know. I don't usually say that about rookie big guys all the time. Then you watch him on the defensive end, and you're like, oh, my God. Oh, boy. (laughs) You know, we all have had it, you know. Yeah. The six-footer in fourth grade that just has no idea what's going on. And you're like, should we play 2-3 zone and put him in the middle? And then, again, no idea. So that's where Gogo's got improved. Late game lineup. Brogdon, Oladipo, Warren, Sabonis. Defensively, Turner. Offensively, Boy, I got a lot of options. I mean, Turner could be an option if you want to spread it with a bigger guy. Um, 
McDermott, if you just want a pure shooter out there. I said Warren. I'm pretty sure I said Warren. Lamb is just kind of a, I don't know, Lamb probably wouldn't be my first option. I'd probably go with either Turner, McDermott, or maybe even Justin Holiday. I like Justin. Lamb's just kind of a, Lamb's more of kind of an isolation guy. He kind of does his thing right. that way. From John, is there any glaring weaknesses with the team that needs to be immediately addressed? So trade deadline's February 6th, Joey. I, yeah. I, I'd be surprised. You know, do you look at Victor and you're like, oh, there's our trade piece. You know, like, is that how you look at it? Because remember, you don't have a first-round pick. Right. You traded that for Brogdon. Um, now, maybe can they get a buyout guy like Wesley Matthews last year, Trevor Booker the year before, I think, maybe two years before that. But I would say if you can find, like, a like a better Booker, kind of a rebounding four, um, you know, the guy I – Guy that's been rumored on the trade block, and I don't know how you get him, but I'd take Thaddeus Young back. Wow. It seems like Thad, you know, again, I haven't watched him a whole lot this year, but, you know, could he guard Giannis a little bit if that series ever came? But, again, I, I, I'd i be surprised if the Pacers made a uh, a significant move. Pat wants to know, okay, well, you just, you just mentioned that. You want to know if there are any moves you foresee before the deadline? Not so much. No. 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 Uh, from Jaden Allen Parker, and we kind of hit on this as well. Who leaves the rotation when Old Depot gets back? Is it Aaron? Is it McConnell? McDermott? Uh, or is there a trade you guys could be in the works for another big because Goga at times looks lost? I think we've got to be patient with Goga as well. You know, I mean, sure. You know, the guy's 19, 20 years old. So I, I don't think it's anything that um, to be too worked up about one way or the other. He, he's got to develop. There are some things you like, but, and I was all in on a proponent of trading. One of those bigs before the start of the year, probably Miles more so than than Domas, because Miles and Goga I think are a bit similar in, in just what they bring offensively at least. Um, but yeah, I I would no no I I would not be making a move there. All right, all the others are just kind of repeats. Anything else? <laughs> yeah, I that I kind of look through it. Yeah, Jason, Nick, trying to see who else that we might have skipped over. Um, yeah, appreciate you guys sending in those questions, Corey as well. Um, thank you for that. Cool. All right, man. So got a Pacers pod under the belt. What's next? And, and for fans that don't know, um, I know I don't tweet about the Pacers a whole lot. I don't try to clog up people's timelines too much. We've got consistent written content on the Pacers. 1075thefan.com, Pacers coverage tab underneath Kevin's corner. What I do with each game, Joey, is I write about a 100, 200-word recap. You know this. I'm not yep. breaking any news to you. And then I get into three things I learned. So it's a little bit of an editorial base um, within the article. And so we try to you know, get some takeaways that are just things to think about moving forward as we look at the big picture or individual guys, uh, those sorts of things. So um, I encourage you to check that out on the website. Again, that's up every morning following a Pacer game. Cool. Okay, last one here. I am to be just threw this in there. Okay. Kind of like... We look at the AFC South. There may not be one team that stands out. The competition is real. I look at the Pacers starting five like that. A fully healthy Pacers team doesn't have the superstar, but one to five might be one of the best starting lineups in the league. Interesting. Um, I, I I hear you out. I would honestly say you'd have to stretch it to like one to eight, one to nine. The Pacers might be one of the more balanced units in the league, which is great. Now, 
we know what the NBA is. The NBA is about stars. Yep. And especially come playoff time, you got to have that alpha. And can Victor Oladipo be that alpha? Can Malcolm Brogdon be that alpha? Is a traditional old school big guy in DeMontis Sabonis capable of being that? Those are all um, questions I have, but it is an interesting point there from I Am the Beast. The great name, man. I Am the Beast. All right, dude. I swear, if I. If I, that was my nickname in college. I think girls would have talked to me a little bit more. <laughs> Never know. Yeah, yeah. All right, he's Joey Molinaro. I'm Kevin Bowen. Sorry about the delay in the little Pacers podcast. Let us know if you liked it. I'm um, always looking for feedback, especially on Pacers content. And uh, we'll be back next week with the Colts podcast here on Kevin's Corner. Thank you, everybody. This has been Kevin Bowen. Thank you for listening to another edition of Kevin's Corner. If you haven't already, subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher for the best Colts and Pacers coverage.